all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. at you for welcome to the sls cast yes this of course is the sls cast with both people in the same room again 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 and this episode naturally but of course would have to be nothing else than the wix class destroyer episode of the sls cast because it turns out that the united states navy had a said Wix class destroyer, and its name was DD One Three Nine. That's right, folks. The USS Ward, DD One Three Nine. And with that little bit of destroyer news, I of course am Matt. And sitting here in front of me, as we were just talking about before, trying to bring hipster back with the SCD One from Sony. It would be. Are you saying hipster because I currently live in L.A. and I do have long hair? No, and because I have, you're wearing Vans and pinstripe shorts. And because I have a failed attempt at facial hair. No. Like, I haven't shaved, I haven't had to trim this shit in like two and a half weeks. It's, just, it's beautiful. Actually. It's really just the Vans and the pinstripe shorts. Why does Vans scream hipster? It's, it's the combination. Of this and pinstripe. Well, I mean, I, could this be golfer who forgot his golfing shoes? And no. happened to be no, out we, late. We, see, I just got lucky that, that we got sidetracked and you didn't get to expound on the whole preacher and the peach thing from last week. Oh, well that, well so you are. I'm just, I'm just jumping. I'm pouncing now because I am apparently, you know, not so weirdly dressed. I do feel like you're about to lock me in the room and try to convert me to some really no, no, funky I, I'm, religion. I'm dressed normally this time. I'm not wearing the, the... I don't remember what color it, it was. It was late. I don't remember what you were salmon. wearing. Salmon. Salmon was the color that you used. Because when you wear salmon, <laughs> you are holier than thou, than the person that you are sitting across from. Yes. Uh, and I'm Tim! Yes, yes, Tim. And what was the Sony jizz that... Or, <laughs> the, the gist? The gist? That doesn't work for... Yeah, the Sony thing. That thing. <laughs> All right. So what we're looking at right now, uh, it's so fun because now Tim gets to look at all this shit that I get to, you know, be like, yeah, Sony did this. And yeah. you're like, what? And I have the one up of the listener as well. <laughs> all right. So what we're looking at is this weird box looking Betamax fucking thing. And it's called the SCD-1. And it's meant to be called the Super Audio CD. And this was supposed to actually be the successor to the compact disc. No. Yes. Sony. Imagine Sony. The people who lost money on PS3 just to have Blu-ray players be the predominant hardware of the day. You know. And, you know, hey, I got to give it to them. I like Blu-ray myself. But, uh, yeah, so they were trying to do the same thing with CD. And, unfortunately for them, the timing could not have been worse because Apple says, Hey, let's try this thing called iTunes and an iPod. Let's do that. And we, we've never heard of it ever since. So I know you did a lot of research on this SCD-1. What does it do? It literally is just it. like when we went from... LPs to yeah. cassettes and from cassettes to CDs. This was supposed to be the next iteration. But what does it do? 
plays music? How? <laughs> Using digital formatting for it. It's basically supposed to be the next evolution in CD technology. It's still using laser, uh, just like Blu-ray still so uses you, laser. So do you put a CD in it? I would imagine you would put a super CD in it. Oh! <laughs> What's a super CD? Um, what does it look like? I'm gonna what is it made with... out of? How big is it? What is the, the <laughs> circumference of the Super CD? I'm afraid you've got me. What is the circumference of the Super CD? It is exactly 3.14. Exactly half of, you know, 6. what... what, what, what 6.28? Yeah, that and what you would expect. Uh, you know, it's equal to pi. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Cherry or apple? Science. The ah, science pie. The pie good. of science is 3.14, Matthew. If you went to school and paid attention from time to time, we all know could, that I suck at these, math. Though you could get these very, you know, highly scientific and mathematical jokes. I, I, yeah, I I would agree, but I didn't, so I don't. So how was the past week? It's been a week already. It really and truly has been and a week. It doesn't feel like a week. It's kind of sad. <laughs> It well, really, it just means it really you're is. having fun visiting your it's, friends and family. Well, this trip, I made it a point for this Texas trip to focus more more on family. Because usually it's like, oh, well, I got this planned. And my, uh, my, I'm, I was about to say my person of interest, but it should be my significant other. Or just my girlfriend. <laughs> is uh, Usually when she comes into town, we like to, like, I feel obligated to take her all around town and show her everything. And so that also includes, well, while you're here and you pretty much saw everything, well, I will take you to Austin or take you to San Antonio or I'll take you to Galveston, you know, somewhere kind of outside the Houston Woodlands downtown, you know, area. But now this time it's like, you know, I'm going to spend more time with my grandmother. And I have. And that's about it. And it's been nice, but it's been going by way too quickly. Way too quick. Though I, I am surprised being back, turning on the radio and hearing about the uh, like the various hunting expos that are going on at the NRG Stadium coming soon. You know, at, I think it's this weekend or maybe next weekend. I uh, I don't know if you're you're gonna go to it and and buy a couple Glocks or maybe even a rifle because you need a Glock to really shoot down a a a, I a deer. Have one of those. But... You have a Glock. Yes. I, I, yes, I'm just gonna stop there. Yes, <laughs> no, there's just there's no punchline there. Just yes. This is kind of like one of those. Feel safe. <laughs> just feel safe. When you're in here, you're safe. Well, I the promise. question is, can if, if the time if if anything ever happened, like if we ever had to go like Charles Bronson on somebody, or even Liam Neeson on somebody, would I be able to to use it? Like like, would you be like Tim? I will take the pea shooter. Or, or better yet, you like Tim. You had the Glock, but hey, I have the horny cricket. Or wait, I think it was the, a little cricket, but <laughs> but it could be horny too. I the mean, little well, cricket. You know, I mean, it we're really, not judging. It right? packs a punch and it explodes in a in a you know in in a great ball of something. Um, I I without going into further detail, you know, never know who was all out there. Uh, I would just say you you would uh, definitely um, be safe in knowing that those escapades could happen. I will say that I did trip over like 10 floorboards earlier. 
And in each one of those floorboards, I did find uh, uh, those very old German Nazi uh, uh, hand grenades. Where was this? Oh, just all over the place, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, here. Yeah. Uh, the joke is that you're doing it here. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. It, it sucked. It's bad. You know, that's why you can't go to Janie's before you record a podcast. <laughs> There's a magician there. There was a magician there, and he performed tricks. The involving the a legal kind. Uh, this, or the illegal kind. Well, this, okay. Well, this was okay. I should say he was a male. <laughs> Doesn't matter. A biker. There's male prostitution and out there. I mean, the, you there know. is. Well, I mean, he performed the tricks on me, but I guess Legal that could be questionable. <laughs> you know, whatever. But so, so I go there and I thought, okay, well, while I'm waiting, I'll have a few drinks. So a few drinks turned to four drinks, and you know, tall ones, and it's great, and I love it, and I'm looking forward to the moment we go there later. But I was there, and the bartender started freaking out about something. I was like, well, uh, what, what the hell's going on? She's like, oh, I just, I just saw something. So, uh, I just, uh, it just, it just scared me. I just don't know what I just saw. Well, you know, what did you see? You know, I, I'm from LA. I've, I've seen it all. I didn't say that. I, I'd be a douchebag if I said that. <laughs> and, but then she's like, well, he took this dollar and, and this dollar just, it just, it just, it, it wasn't really a dollar anymore. I just, I just don't, I, just, I, I don't like that stuff. I'm not in Vegas. I just don't like that stuff. And it was, okay, cool. So I go back and, you know, I, or I get another drink. And the, the biker guy who turned out to be a magician, like literally, he looks like you could have like picked him up from, you know, any, you know, uh, uh, frequent Hell's Angels Denny's Diner. Like he was a one you know? percenter. Like he had, he has the tats. He had the leather vest on. You know, he had, I mean, he had, he had it going on. I don't know. I mean, he, I mean, I don't know. I could have, I could be profiling. I'm probably in profiling. He probably wasn't even a biker. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be, okay, uh, full disclosure, I did not see a bike. There was no bike, but he, he is a magician of some sort. So he walked over, and uh, so he was talking to the, the bartender again. There was this other girl that showed up from the Bronx, and uh, there's this other bartender there. And so he was like, so, you know, I show, you know, he's like, oh, this is the girl, uh, this is the guy that showed me the magic trick. And he's like, yeah, so do you have, like, do you think I can do like 30 minutes here sometime? Like do a 30 minute presentation? She's like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. And he's like, okay, well, here, I'll do another one. Well, show, show the girl the dollar trick you showed us. No, I'm going to do another one. So he did the, the whole quarter, get a quarter out of your cash register. He had a cigarette. He asked for a cigarette. He got one. And he burnt the cigarette. He was able to put the cigarette through the quarter and smoke the cigarette through the quarter. Which is, I mean, I don't want to say it's an obvious trick, but you can kind of guess how he did it, and you might be right. But again, this guy was wearing a leather vest, had nothing going on, and I was watching his hands the entire time, and I was across the room. And then he was like, so again, I mean, do, do you think I can do, do you think I can do, like, you know, a 30-minute set? You know, that's all I want is a 30-minute gig here at Janie's. Oh wow! So I I just don't like this stuff. I just really don't like this stuff. Hey hey bro, uh, you know looks at me. Hey hey dude, you know, come over here for a second. You, you're drinking a drink there. Yeah, I am drinking a drink. Okay, well you're wearing a shirt. Come here. All right, come on. Unbutton the the bottom two uh, buttons of your shirt. Okay, so I unbutton the bottom two buttons of my shirt. No you questions see, asked. You see, so this was not one of the legal tricks. See, I see where you're going. Guy in a vest. <laughs> Trying not to profile, he's very intimidating and very strong, and 
He's asking you to disrobe, and you and you just begin to without question. Again, uh, four tall drinks at <laughs> at a at a neighborhood bar, um, and you feel comfortable. I hear you in the baseball games playing, but he didn't have enough facial hair for there to be any threat, which is a way to look at it. Anyway, so I I undo the the bottom two buttons, and he's like, okay, so what I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna take I'm gonna take your shirt, I'm gonna. I'm going to wrinkle it up like this. So I hope you don't... I mean, I know you're wearing a nice shirt and everything. No, I'm really not. This is like a $10 shirt. And it's like, well, okay, well, pretend you're wearing a nice shirt. I don't want to buy you a new shirt or anything. So I really hope I don't burn it. You're burning. What the hell? I'm going to, I'm going to take my cigarette and I'm going, to, I'm going to put it in here. And so he, like, he makes a hole in the shirt. And again, I had to unbutton, undo the, the bottom two things. Makes a hole, in, you know, does that. And he puts the cigarette through. And from my look, there was no hole down there that he could have put it through. That I knew of. So as he's, he's putting it through, he's like, oh, God. Oh, I, I'm feeling it burning. It's really burning. I, I think <laughs> this this does sound really good. If you just kind of, like, turn this on right here, it t- totally sounds homo. But to make – well, I, I mean, the story's almost done. It went through, and the cigarette was gone, and the shirt was fine. And so he was like, oh, yeah, wasn't that amazing? I was like, uh, yeah, that's that's cool. But I knew I was going to leave, and I was going to get in my car and smell my holes <laughs> did, did you like write this or something? I mean, you've got to pad. Is this like you wrote this as a bit or something? No. Oh, <laughs> smell my holes, number one. Oh, no, okay. no, no. That says uh, that. No, that says something else. Equally phallic. Uh, no, no, no. So, so I knew. I said, "Well, I'm going to go to my. I'm going to leave him. I'm going to smell my holes." And what I meant was, I'm going to smell my uh, smell my button but, my buttonholes. Yes. And uh, I did, and uh, well, the thing is, everybody smokes at that bar. Sure. So your clothes are already smelling like cigarette smoke. Sure. So I really couldn't tell whether if one hole smelled smokier than the other hole. And that's it. I mean, I just, I mean, basically the jizz of the of the of the whole the jizz of it, really, the jizz of it wow. was that I I encountered a a a very YMCA biker dude performing uh uh not chris isaac magic tricks chris angel magic tricks at your local oh, neighborhood chris isaac, bar. Huh? yeah what a wicked game huh yeah okay how was your week <clears throat> you're at an arcade and you have allergies yes yeah, so i don't know i i guess i'm getting old oh jesus see look at that just got the I saw you snot going everywhere. Um, yeah, I uh, let's see. I've had a pretty uneventful week. Um, yeah. Nothing super special was going on. Although I um, did have a nice evening. I went with my brother-in-law. He he follows the Goose's Acre up in the woodlands. It is a Irish pub bar. Whatever. It's a great place. In the yeah, and it's up there in the woodlands and. Um, he follows them on Facebook, and they have a calendar on Facebook every month, and they put somebody's name on there every day. And if your name matches that name, you get 25-cent well drinks or 25-cent 8-ounce uh, domestics. No shit! All day. Really? Yes. That's why I put that in the text. Come, come do that now. I, I didn't get that text. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> um, 
So we went up there, and yeah. I had a nice plethora of drinks. And see, this kind of pisses me off, though, because you go to a bar like Goose's Acre, and they have, like, the finest beers on tap. Uh, they've got a great selection of bottled beers, awesome liquor, and everything like that. So I can understand that, you know, they, they don't want to lose money on the deal, so they want to do 25-cent wells. Okay, that's fine. I can live with that. But then I'm like, well, what are your domestics? Living in Texas, in Houston... Within reach, within like 40 minutes of three different breweries in three different directions. What are your domestics? Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, and Michelob Ultra. So no Eighth Wonder, no Carbach, no St. Arnold's. None. No Bayou, uh, uh, Buffalo Bayou, Bayou, 1836. None. Nothing, nothing like that. I'm like, guys, come on. How much more domestic can you get than freaking, you know, 18 miles away? Yeah. I, you know, so I just did well drinks because I wasn't going to sit there and drink crappy ass Bud Light or anything True like that. True Texan. True Houstonian, I so, must say. You yeah. don't put up with that shit. That, no. That Irish stuff. Yeah. So I, I definitely drank my fill of... I had a $7 bar tab. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> when we were done. Can we still go? Uh, yeah. Can well, we, if let, they're still just, open. Well, let's just record the show, you know, like in the car driving there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And so then um, they also had half price burgers. So they're $12 burgers with bacon, cheddar, oh, you know, right. thing, you know, were half price. So I'm like, yes. So we did that and had burger, drinks, hang out for a few hours, and then we went down to uh, the this, this uh, arcade that I cannot remember the name of to save my life. I put oh. it in the text. Oh. I, I put it in the text. It's it it um I I don't console I I don't know. Oh, uh, it's fine. Marriage Just Counseling Arcade. through here. And uh, da, da, da. Game Preserve is the name of this lovely place. And uh, it's a retro arcade full of literally the most recent cabinet I could, I could tell was from probably 1993. Mm-hmm. It had tons of pinball as well. And then... Um, they also have like a comic book store inside uh, this place as well. I mean, it was it was really quite cool. So uh, you can buy a membership there, and you get unlimited entry. It's you know you're not paying to play. It's all everything's free play. Uh, if you just show up for the day, it's fifteen bucks. Fifteen bucks gets you in all day, and it was it was a lot of fun. So went and did that, and then then of course we met up while I was watering the lawn, and. Uh, <laughs> That, so that was the most interesting thing that happened to me this past week. That so. you were watering the lawn? or No, no, just, or, just today. Just oh, the, you okay. Know, the whole yeah. getting to hang out with my brother-in-law and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure we have <laughs> definitely destroyed the first few minutes of this show. So, um, let's see. We've got a little bit of email we should get to right quick. Email. Email coming. Email coming today. Yeah, and you waited till I finished. I'm surprised. <laughs> I did. Well, I was try- I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to follow that up, or maybe switch it up to some Oklahoma or something like that. But yeah, we'll just email Oklahoma. Or yes. wait, 
Oh, what a beautiful email. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So we've got one new Twitter follower. Uh, we got this email. I mean, you know, Twitter just send us the sends us the email, so it's just an auto yeah. email. But it's the email to the show. It, yeah, to the show. At, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's the show at slscast.com. Uh, but we got a new Twitter follower at the slscast for Twitter, and it is Need Pizza. That's 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 this wonderful person's name, Need Pizza at Mayor of Beertown. It says. I need pizza. What more do you need to know? All the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Or if you're Tim, you could be from Canada. It's fine. Right? We're I not had, here to judge. I know. I, I had pizza today. <laughs> and beer. No, I have not. Yes, I have. No, yet. Yeah, no, yet. Yeah. I have not had beer. Well, if, yeah, if 1 o'clock a.m. counts as beer time, then... Within I the last did have 24 hours. Yes, I I did have beer. Oh, you you are going to do the armadillo murdering yes. a man in the face. Yes, that's right. That uh, is a good and, one. and yes, we're going to jump into from our email. What is CBC News? Canadian British Canadian Colonial News Company or something? I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I'm only from Albuquerque, New Mexico. There you go. All right, let's see here. So this is a little bit of news of the weird for you. Uh, From cbc.ca, that's the clue that tells me it's Canadian. Texas man shoots armadillo. Bullet ricochets back into his face. Animal status unknown because authorities were unable to find it. So, all right, so this guy... Uh, sees an armadillo in his yard. Armadillos, even though they're like one of like the state animal of Texas, and you're not really supposed to be killing them anyway, uh, are often thought of as pests because of their burrowing nature and all that good stuff. So this guy sees one in his yard, runs inside his house or trailer or whatever the fuck it was, and grabs a thirty-eight, and then runs run, runs back out there and shoots the fucker three times. <laughs> One of those bullets bounced off, hit him in the face, and he still doesn't even know if he killed it. How far away was he? Was he, like, at point-blank range? It, it just said he was in the yard. Didn't quite say <laughs> how far away it was. I assume it's got to be a little bit of ways away, because if it had been point-blank, that probably could have killed him. Armadillos are horrible. Arm- they- Armadillos they hiss. Hey. Well, they do. But- and they carry syphilis. No, leprosy, not syphilis. But, okay, one's a little bit worse than the other. Yeah, but... Uh, one's treatable. The, <laughs> they're both treatable. Leprosy uh, is treatable? Yes. Well, in Braveheart, the guy died. I'm totally kidding. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> or am I? Uh, um, yeah, but you actually have to... It is it is extremely difficult to contract leprosy from an armadillo. But it, I mean, it is, it's, it's within the, blood. the realm it's the of blood, possibility. It's right? Um, I, it, it has to do with them, with like trying to eat them and stuff like that, that you can actually get it. So, okay. And, and theoretically, I suppose if they were to like scratch you and like draw blood, it would be. And then like fuck your wound. Sure. We could, we could do that. That was there very was like... graphic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad I, it, this tree doesn't hold any sentimental value, does it? Because. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the table does, but not the chair. Okay. Well, that's good. But, okay, so my deal with armadillos, and I know we're running really late, but um, there's this really fancy golf club, Custom Brian's, uh, where I knew a bunch of dudes that I, went, that I played peewee football with. And for one day, evening, 
uh, we all got together and they wanted to go out and, uh, and, and murder all the armadillos that were tearing up their golf course. And so we took baseball bats and golf clubs to murder the armadillos. In fact, I never did it. All these people did. And I, I ended up in the worst bitch seat possible where all the dead armadillos were placed. Like, they would go up to the armadillos, freak them out. And the creepy thing about armadillos is that they hiss, they curl up, and then they pop up. And those mofos jump up to about, like, five feet. And so when the armadillos jump up five feet, they take the baseball bat and just, bam, knock them dead. And apparently if you crack their shell, they're, they're goners. And, yeah, that, that's been my really only experience with armadillos. Wow, ours is... We, we have armadillo hunts at our family reunion. Really? So, yeah, and we're, we, we don't... We, we don't do that. <laughs> we, we let them go. It's catch and release kind of thing. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's, that was unexpectedly violent, but all right. Um, hey. All right, so. But I never did it, though. I, I, never, I never murdered an armadillo. You um, just wanted to. No, I was freaked out by them. I mean, <laughs> I, I gave up within the first two minutes. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, then I guess without further ado, you want to go to some news? Yes, we shall. All right. And here we go, folks. Again, because we're not doing any editing, really, per se. News, 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 news. News, 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 news. I'm going to move my phone. You're dripping water everywhere. I'm uh, where how where I'm not dripping. I do not see. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. First up for me from CNN.com by way of Emanuela Grinberg, Ronda Rousey to star in film based on autobiography. That's right, folks. Uh, it says that Rousey will, uh, well, hell, I guess we'll start off the beginning here. Fresh off her Ultimate Fighting Championship bantamweight title win, mixed martial artist Ronda Rousey confirmed she's heading to Hollywood again. Rousey will play herself in a film based on her best-selling autobiography, My Fight, Your Fight. Paramount Pictures secured the rights to the book with executive producer Mary Parent serving as producer. Screenwriter Mark Bomback will adapt the book, according to Variety. Um, yeah, it says, uh, Rousey says, quote, can't wait to work with Paramount, the talented Mark Bomback and Mary Parent, uh, end quote there. Um, yeah, she's had some, uh, cameo appearances in some movies, uh, Entourage, Expendables 3, Furious 7, but, um, I, I, I guess people like her, why not? I mean, yeah. I don't know that she can do an entire movie. Maybe, maybe it'll be somewhat easy because she won't have to act, per se. Yeah, and she's playing herself, and she's still, I mean, like, she became famous last week. You know? Like, well, like, 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 she's like been. Well, she has, but, com- but compared to other people, like, say, like, Hulk Hogan or something. Right. Which, I know that's not UFC. And what she does is probably more significant than what he would ever do. You know, she has, she's been around for a while, but, like, I'm talking absolutely famous. It's only been, what, four years? 
Fair enough. Five years, maybe. I guess you know. I think it's just uh, like the Danica uh, Kirkpatrick thing. Oh when, yeah. When you get a woman in a sport that's generally dominated by men, even though she's doing women's sure uh, MMA, I think that the people really try to latch onto that solely. I, well, not solely. I just think that. They they are latching on to that because they want to truly show a diverse field of what women can really do. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because I, I, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. I it's think it's cool. I mean, I have nothing bad to say about it. No, no. Yeah. Neither do I. Anyway, very neutral news, Matt. Very. <laughs> well, no, I just, I, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, um, I just don't want, I, I just don't want it to be to the detriment of what she could try and do. Um, much like Danica Kirkpatrick uh, kind of got, or Danica Patrick, there we go, maybe that's how we should say the name right, kind of got pigeonholed with the GoDaddy ads and stuff like that, um, and then the racing and 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 so she's not been able to kind of branch out from that because she's been so focused to that and i think and i'm just worried that that might happen to ronda rousey at all as well and hey if that's but if that's what she wants to do more power to her what do you got there sir all righty okay first up a couple things that i want to mention real quick before i get to a uh actually a surprising passing that happened uh this past week um, first off, something that is uh, that I've always been interested by is the history of the original Star Wars movies. Over time, as we all know, they've gone through a lot of changes with the special editions and the re-releases and all that jazz. Especially, I think it was like the 1997 special edition where they released them all in the movie theater. And in A New Hope, you saw Jabba the Hutt, and it was really bad CGI, but then... I think it was seven years later they came out with another one and they upgraded the CGI to make it look a little bit better. Actually, a lot better, but a little <laughs> bit better. Um, but this guy, and I actually came across this via the playlist.com, uh, this article, Watch, Compare the Changes Made to the Original Star Wars Trilogy in this one-hour video series written by Kevin Jaggernoth. And here they basically talk about this guy, uh, Mar- Mar- Marcelo or Marcello Zuniga, who put together a visual guide, according to this article here, to all of the changes Lucas has made to the original Star Wars trilogy from their initial theatrical release to the most recent Blu-ray edition that arrived in 2011. And it's very interesting to watch. Uh, they go to mention that A New Hope has the most changes out of all of the movies, and it's it's, it's fun because a lot of us are familiar with the '97 special edition changes, but not really the 2011 changes. So definitely go and check it out. You can find it on YouTube as well. Again, the guy who put these videos together is named is named Marcello Zuniga. Uh, another thing I want to mention real quick is that you can uh, get a first look uh, at George Miller's planned Justice League movie that he was trying to make uh, here about eight years ago or so. 
via io9.com, the first ever look at George Miller's scrapped Justice League movie. Uh, this is an article that came out back uh, on June 1st of this year. And it's really neat. A lot of the uh, uh, the production designs are on here. And they're absolutely beautiful. I mean, you think of the detail and uh, the time that he put into Mad Max Fury Road. He would have put that, you know, put all, put all of that passion into a Justice League film. And I think it would have been something absolutely beautiful and, uh, I mean, dare I say... Onspiring? I don't know, but the pictures are really neat. Um, but then finally, for my first piece of news, I do want to mention this one death. Uh, via CNN.com, Roddy Piper, pro wrestling bad guy, dies at 61, written by Steve Almasy. And it says this, He once cracked another wrestler over the head with a coconut. He kicked sing, uh, he kicked singer God damn it he kicked singer Cindy Lopper not Lindsay Lopper <laughs> in the head shit he mesmerized fans as he fired frenzied insults and threats at opponent at opponents Rowdy Roddy Piper the kilt wearing heel who headlined the first WrestleMania and helped the WWE push other professional circuits out of the spotlight, has died in his sleep. His agent said Friday, Piper was 61. The superstar of the 80s was arguably the top bad guy in professional wrestling history, but was a fan favorite for his crazed outbreaks on the microphone and in the ring. Um, But I wanted to mention, and I'll quotes in that article, but I wanted to mention him because he appears in one of my all-time favorite John Carpenter films. And that film was uh, one of the greatest 80s movies, in my opinion, They Live. If you think, in my opinion, that Snake Plissken is a memorable memorable character, Roddy Piper's character in They Live is equally memorable. I mean, he has that great line, um, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, but I'm all out of bubblegum. You know, you, you have heard various renditions of that same line in so many movies, but that is where it started. And he is awesome, and he has a one of the best hand-to-hand fight scenes I've ever seen in any movie. Not only that, but the movie is also a fantastic uh, uh, consumer and uh, entertainment satire as well. So if you've never seen it, especially if you're a John Carpenter fan or even a Roddy Piper, uh, Roddy Piper fan, you've got to check out uh, uh, they live. John Carpenter's They Live. And again, Roddy Piper passed away this past week at the age of 61 years old. All right. Next up for me comes from bbc.co.uk. This is kind of interesting. Fantastic forecast. Haven't seen the final film yet, and it's out in a few days. And by a few days, literally, we're getting down to like two. Yeah. Um, now, there's not really... They, basically, they're just talking about some people who um, who are basically the, the lead actors. And they talk to, talk to them and everybody's like, well, we haven't seen it. We don't know what it, how it's going to be. Now, while that in and of itself isn't too unusual, the fact that they haven't seen any former fashion of a finished product 
is because generally even most of the actor generally most actors and actresses in the, at the upper echelon if you're like the main uh in the main cast generally get some form or fashion of at least a rough cut you know you not all the special effects have been put in but just to at least give them an idea okay so this is kind of the vision of the movie and this is kind of where we're at they didn't even get that so now they don't have that. They don't have the finished cut. And as if it wasn't bad enough, typically the death knell of any film is no press screenings. None. I cannot truly think of any film that has ever dodged the press screening and then gone on to actually do well. Do you know of any that have done that? There are some, but I cannot name any on the top okay. of my head. I'm, well, I'm yeah. sure they're out there. I mean, I'm yeah. not, but I just... Like you, there's right? no like famous ones, like so, you know, like like a Spielberg movie has never dodged a press screening and gone on to be right, you know. So I really and truly think this is just pretty much um, the end of. I, I think I think we're now about to see the train collide with whatever it is uh, that the train's going to collide with in this train wreck of a film. Um, are we going to see this movie? Um, I will not have time to see it this weekend. I'm I, not I, asking to see it. I'm just asking, is this, may, uh, the, is, this, is this in the queue at some point or what? I will not pay more than $7 to see this movie. Well, that's fine. Then we can wait two weeks and I'll go watch <laughs> it on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. When I can do it for like six twenty-five or six fifty at the Cinemark. Perfect. Yay. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out just exactly how big of a train wreck it is, won't we? Um, I'm going to go ahead and shut off my news there. Um, Tim, bring us home, sir. Okay. Um, um, you know what? I will go with a fun one because I'm having fun. Are you having fun, Matt? I always have fun. Did you believe that? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, but yes. So, uh, 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 the director, um, Jason Reitman, likes to put on these fun little uh, script readings uh, where they have, they, they pull like these famous scripts like, say, uh, uh, you know, Apocalypse Now, or um, just as an example, like Apocalypse Now, or Lawrence of Arabia, even. And they'll have other famous actors come in and read certain parts, and they'll do a, a script reading live in front of a studio audience. Well, for the last script reading, he decided to do a live read of The Big Lebowski, and no other than, or none other than, Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence participated. Michael Fassbender was the dude. And Jennifer Lawrence was Julian Moore's character, and I cannot remember her name, but Maud. The, Maud. There you go. Thank you. Sure. You're welcome. And it says this is from the HollywoodReporter.com. Uh, Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence joined some of their fellow X Men Apocalypse cast members in Montreal on Friday night for the live read of the 1998 film The Big Lebowski, jointly organized by Canadian born director Jason Reitman who has run live read shows primarily in L.A. since 2011, and the Just for Last Festival, Fassbender and Lawrence read the original Lebowski script, alongside Silicon Valley cast members and X-Men Apocalypse co-stars who were in town to shoot their latest film. 
Fassbender played the dude, Patton Oswalt played Walter, and Lawrence took on Julian Moore's original role of Maude Lebowski, according to The Guardian. Olivia Munn, Bunny, T.J. Miller, Brant, Mae Whitman, Donnie, Mike Judge, The Stranger, and Dennis Quaid, Other Big Lebowski, all joined in on the light read of the Conan Brothers R-rated indie film, The Vanity Fair Reported, in all quotes. Uh, comments on that? Cool? Maybe? Uh, I think it's pretty cool that Tinkerbell played uh, Donnie, though. That's an interesting casting choice. Even for just a live reading. True, but, uh, you know, Mae Whitman got screwed out of Independence Day, so... So this is making up for it? Yes. Okay, very good. <laughs> the All character right. that gets that's male and gets killed off. That, that's that's a way to make up for it, True. I guess. Yeah, and Steve Buscemi. Why not? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess I'll, I'll end my news there. Unless you want to talk about uh, the Emoji movie that Sony bought. Nope, that's okay. <laughs> Are you sure? You don't want to talk about the Emoji at Center of Bidding Battle won by Sony Animation? via Deadline.com, where nope. we will soon get a movie based on the little characters on your phone. With like, There's like the poop one. Sure. No, no, I, and uh, as exciting and tantalizing as that news is, I'm, I'm good. I Thanks. just wanted to mention it because I, I, I really want to delete it off my list of shit to talk about. Well, now you can. I can. Yes, but I can. thought you had something interesting to say about it. Did I? Maybe. I guess not, because okay. I don't remember... I, I don't remember that. I'm sorry. That's the end of my news tonight. <laughs> All right. Great deal. Let's see here. So, let's kill that and kill that. And um, then I guess we'll just kill all that. And then we'll come back here and discuss... Matt, they can't hear you with your back towards... I don't towards give a good goddamn... They can't can hear, hear you. <laughs> I'm just trying to pull this shit up for when we actually need it later on. All right. Uh, we'll talk about our new segment here. Or not our new segment. Just the segment of... Three squared! Three, three squared! Square, three squared! Three squared! Three squared! Square. Gotta three squared it. It's We only have two people, but somehow three squared works out because there's a two in it. <laughs> Alright, so this week's Three Squared is movie sequels you didn't know existed. And I, I think we've, we've done pretty well and come up with some rather obscure ones. Yeah, you, you're surprised me. They did. Like, I, I, did, I actually didn't realize those existed. So, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well let's see here. First up from 1989, we've got Speed Zone. Or Cannonball Run 3. Now, the only thing that succeeds in making this one an actual sequel is Jamie Farr came back. And Jamie Farr played the Sheik in the first two Cannonball Run movies. So, that's pretty much how they're tying this into Cannonball Run. Did he play the Sheik in this one? Yes. Oh, he did? Yes, he he came back. He was the only original character from the other two movies who came back. Oh. And And it's still the same thing. I mean, it's just racing across the country as fast as they can. So... Um, terrible movie, naturally, but still needed to be done. And in the realm of things that definitely did not need to be done, um, and Tim inadvertently alluded to it earlier, 
We also have, from 1990, we have A Dangerous Man. Lawrence after Arabia. Or Lawrence of Arabia 2. Now, I know what you're thinking. Who the fuck thought it was a good idea to make a sequel to Lawrence of Arabia? One of the most classic films of all cinema. And the answer is, doesn't really matter. Ralph Fiennes did it. You can always hold that over your head. If anybody out there knows Ralph Fiennes and is always like, oh, he's such an amazing actor, and he's always just so amazing and brilliant in everything he ever does, and I just can't stand him. Well, now the next time you see him, you can go, you motherfucker, you did a sequel to Lawrence of Arabia? And then he'll have to go, yes, yes. And so, Can you do that in a British accent? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally, from ni- going back in time a little bit, from 1973, um, okay, every, they're, they're another one of the coolest action films ever and also something that was really cool with car chases and thrillers and the amazing Gene Hackman just, you know, all over the amazing Hackman. screen. Hackman! Yes. The French Connection. Well... Everybody, well, most people know that he came back and did French Connection 2. What most people don't realize is that French Connection 2 technically is French Connection 3, um, or at best, a remake of the true sequel from 1973, The Seven Ups, or the real French Connection 2. And basically, the (laughs) director of the French Connection just was... Was that the title of it? The Seven Ups. Or the French Connection. No, no, I just thing. have them here so that I can reference, so that people will know. Because if I just said Speed Zone, people are like, what? And if I ever visit this thing again, I'm going to be like, what was Speed Zone? Because even these things are so fucking obscure. Even I'm like, wait, holy shit, there was a sequel to that? Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, and basically, the director of French Connection just couldn't hold his wad and decided to film some shit, and he did. And it was shitty, so don't watch it. All of these do not watch. Speed Zone, A Dangerous Man, Lawrence After Arabia, and The Seven Ups. Um, Don't watch those movies. Speed Zone is a sequel to Cannonball Run. Uh, Dangerous Man, Lawrence After Arabia is a sequel to Lawrence of Arabia. And The Seven Ups is a sequel to French Connection. I will have to admit, I I have not seen any of those movies <laughs> you didn't say it, but, it was a requirement for me to no, no, see no, these no, films. No, 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 no. Because I haven't seen them either. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I will say, I have got to see the Lords After Arabia movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can put that on. Um, maybe, I want to review all those movies. But uh, my three, um, two of them are so-so. One of one of them, I think, is is an underrated movie that is a fantastic film. And come to think of it, I might have actually talked about one of these movies, and I'm going to save it for last. I'm going to start off with... Oh, it is so... I, I'm i trying to type very quietly and, and not be oh, I, I can I can hear the typing, Matthew. I literally typed six characters. And I heard them. Oh, good God. Talk about you. Matt has a vagina and it's five feet wide. Five feet wide. Five feet wide. That's not a movie. Are you... <laughs> Nor is it a sequel. <laughs> Go! Okay. Um, so, 
I'm going to start off with the sequel to one of the best films, considered one of the best films ever made, and I, it's one of my all-time favorites, a sequel to 1974's Chinatown, The Two Jakes, from 1990. For those of you that are unfamiliar or might need a refresher, Chinatown is a great movie, written by Robert Town, considered one of the best screenplays ever written, and directed by Roman Polanski. This was one of his uh, first great American films, and this was one of the films that defined uh, the, uh, the, the return of great cinema in the 60s and in the 70s. It's the, uh, the noir film where Jack Nicholson plays J.J., Jake Giddies, and it, it, it's, it's a film that, that nobody really expected that it would have, that, that something that, that the, the, the material that it dealt with it could have been as engaging as it was because it, it goes from water and power, you know, the, the, uh, how LA gets their water and the corruption of water and power to family incest. And for some, and somehow they made those two things kind of come together and work by the end of the film. If you've never seen it, you have to go watch it. Now the two Jakes, the sequel that came out in 1990 and it was directed by Jack Nicholson and I think this is really, I God, I can't off the top of my head. I this might have been either the last thing he directed or one of the last things he's directed. Jack Nicholson, and this movie isn't that bad. Robert Town came back and wrote the sequel. It's it's just not what everybody expected. Uh, this movie was considered a box office failure. It grossed $10 million domestically on a $19 million budget. And this was ultimately uh, the cause of scrapping the third film in the trilogy. They were wanting to make another film where J.J. Giddies solves another crime close to the end of his life. Kind of like the movie sure, uh, uh, Mr. Holmes with... Ian McKellen, where Sherlock Holmes solves his last, you know, whatever. They kind of wanted to do thing. But also what's really cool about the, the, the whole idea of these movies is that they're wanting to, uh, that the movies have different themes. One's uh, water power or water, uh, fire, and gas or something like that. So the first movie was about uh, water or water, oil, and fire. Water, oil, fire. Fuck it. I don't know. The first movie was about water. The second movie was about oil and oil corruption and adultery. And the second movie was going to be about, I don't know, fire. Why not? It was going to be about volcanoes. It was going to be J.J. Giddies being a Maybe seismologist. it could have been Earth. It could have been Earth. Yeah, and, and Captain America. It would have been, it would and, have been and a like, tie into and Captain America. No, no, America. Just, just like uh, the corruption of like land development and land deals fracking. and stuff like that. It could have been yeah. about fracking. Sure. Yeah. Th- that, 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 is, uh, that is exactly what it was going to be about. Uh, the title of it, I don't know. Uh, so first one, the two Jakes, the sequel to Chinatown. The second movie is a sequel to 1977's, I wrote 1997 for some reason, a sequel to the 1977's Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> it was the special edition. <laughs> I know, right? Re-released in the theater. No, Staying Alive, 1983. And this one was directed by... Sly, uh, Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone himself, and it's quite obvious. Um, this one didn't do that as well as the first movie, though it was considered a box office success. 
$64.8 million box office intake, domestic box office on a uh, like on a $12 million budget, which is not bad. Uh, but this movie follows Tony, John Travolta's famous character, the character he made famous in Saturday Night Fever, as he goes to pursue his passion of dancing in New York City. He, you know, and it's very not good. Very not good. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score currently is at 0%. And some of... <laughs> I like how you say it's currently. Like, like somehow it might try... Oh, look, it might get a one. It yeah, might. It, it, could. it could be. It could be. Maybe in another 20 years or so. What's, did you uh, happen to catch the audience score on that? Uh, yeah, I don't... No, I did not. Oh, okay. No. But uh, some of the, uh, some of the, of the, of the quotes of the, of the criticisms of the movie were, quote, It lacked the interesting characters of Saturday Night Fever, in quote, quote, uh, The sense... The I don't know the something uh, 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 basically the movie is shockingly embarrassing and it is unnecessarily and it, and it is unnecessary. Uh, it trades all of the, the originality and dramatic depth for a series of uninspired dance sequences. It's a lot of John Travolta running around and dancing. Think Flash Dance, but directed by Sylvester Stallone. Um, and if basically it's, if you thought we talked about for did it age well, Saturday night fever, and we both came to the consensus that Saturday night fever did not age well. If you thought SNF did not age well, watch staying alive and you will realize, (laughs) you know, which one honestly was the worst. Finally, for me, the, the my favorite out of all these is the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is right, 1975's Rocky Horror Picture Show. The sequel was technically 1981's Shock Treatment, and really, it's technically a sequel because it follows the same two lead characters, Brad and Janet, but it is played by two very different people, and not uh, Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. Which is a little sad, though. Uh, um, oh damn, I forget her name. Uh, Tom Rothman's wife. She's in. Uh, she's in. Oh shit, uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Great actress, and she shines as Janet in this movie. But it's it's a really good movie. So the the problem with this film, Shock Treatment, is that people were disappointed with it because of basically all the hype. The movie was billed as the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And again, it only featured Brad and Janet. Um, this movie failed. Uh, failed. It was the bigger flop between that and Rocky Horror Picture Show's original run. When Rocky Horror Picture Show originally came out, it did bad. It did crap. It premiered as a midnight show. Or it actually didn't premiere as a midnight show. It got a release. movie did so bad. Then some years later, they did a midnight screenings of it. And that's how it became its cult you know, get Garnet's cult status. With Shock Treatment, they did it as a midnight movie, and it still did horrible. Now, because of DVD or Laserdisc, DVD and Blu-ray, people have started to watch it more, and it's Garner, it's, it has more of a cult following. You can actually watch the stage live, you know, the you know, like what they do with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They perform it while the movie is playing. And it is fun. Uh, but unlike Rocky Horror Picture Show, where you have the uniqueness of Tim Curry and all the other characters performing Time Warp, this 
is basically a satire on American consumerism, Reagan-era Reagan consumerism, and even how we and, and even television consumption, honestly. And it's about uh, it's based in Denton, USA. That is right, Denton, Texas, pretty much a small town where basically the entire community takes place in this TV. In, in in this TV network, some of the town members are work on the show. Some of them are in the audience. If you look closely, John Candy is in the audience. And this couple, this out of town couple, Brad and Janet, are guests on you know in the audience of the show, and they get picked to partake in a reality TV show. But little do they know is when they are on the reality TV show, they are trying to be incorporated and to be brought in to an, an insane asylum. And that is the gist of the movie. It is a musical, and it is very good. I did not do a good job at explaining it, but it is indeed worth watching. Great music as well. So my three movies that nobody knew were sequels were The Two Jakes, the sequel to Chinatown, Shock Treatment, the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show, and then finally, Staying Alive, the fantastic sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Awesome. All right, so what are we going to do for our next episode's bonus segment, sir? Uh, copycat Throwdown? Okay. What Copycat Throwdown would you like to do, sir? Do you want to do uh, uh, Dante's Peak Volcano? Do you want to do Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid? Or Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid? I, w- I-, I would go with Dante's Peak and Volcano. Dante's personally. Peak and Volcano, it is... I like to see my neighborhood die. Well, you'll get to see that one in Volcano. <laughs> and I like to see the Pacific Northwest blown to shreds, which you get to see in Dante's Peak. Um, all right, so that's going to be our bonus segment for next week, which now leaves us with nothing else but the movies. All right, so this week's movies are Pixels, and speaking of sequels, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Fourth um, sequel. Yeah, fourth sequel even. Yeah. Pretty sure people have heard of it, though. Um, where do you want to start, sir? Uh, let's go with, I think, probably the better of the two. <laughs> and not Pixels, but in my Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. All right. So Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, of course, 25, uh, 25. I did it again. Jesus Christ. 2015 American action spy film written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, this, of course, is the uh, fifth installment in the franchise. And it is starring Tom Cruise, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Bing Rames, Sean Harris, and Alec Baldwin. Um, we're now following the misadventures of the um, Impossible Mission Force as they are stopping some nerve gas from escaping into, you know, bad hands or whatever. Um, it, is, it is the nature of the IMF and the way that they operate and the haphazard way that things happen for them that brings them under the scrutiny of the CIA and also the Senate Arms Committee, I assume, or the Senate Appropriations Committee, whatever. Um, they find themselves defunded, and yet at the same time, this is happening just as Ethan Hunt, of course, played by Tom Cruise, has finally um, gotten his first true lead on the syndicate, which is basically an anti-IMF. Everything that the IMF is out there to do in terms of saving the world in a covert fashion, they are there to undo the world's safety in a covert fashion. 
Um, they then have to track down the syndicate, but at the same time, uh, due to the dissolution of the IMF, they're kind of also having to track Ethan. Um, and that's the movie, you know. So from there, of course, shenanigans ensue, as I always like to say, and then we kind of see how things work out. I will say this movie definitely is very entertaining and very well executed. The stunts, of course, are great. Uh, lots of great practical effects, very smart use of CGI, good writing overall. Um, and I and I was once again surprised, pleasantly surprised at how they are able to just come up with all of these crazy things for these people to do and then get them to do it stunt wise and uh, and just action wise and just blowing blowing up the world. And then leaving me wondering by the end of it is how the hell are they ever going to top this and do it again? The downside to this movie, though, and this is really the only gripe that I have, but it is a huge huge gripe is I really felt like these characters were getting old not and I and I mean that in the literal sense of you know these guys are beginning to act and behave like people in their late 40s and early 50s who have just completely lived this life and the life has kind of run them ragged and it's and it's kind of starting to show. And while they're still friends and they're still clearly committed to the cause and everything like that, it just, their interactions and their, and after all the time and everything that they've done, for example, like uh, Ving Rhames' character and Jeremy Renner's character still aren't friends, even after all of this and everything. And it's just kind of, and it's just kind of for me, really grating to see that. It's just kind of like, they are getting old. They are getting on an age. And maybe it's time for new blood or um, to just kind of let it go or stop. I don't know. In terms of sheer entertainment, though, it's definitely there. In terms of action and, um, you know, high caliber actors and good and good solid writing, it's there. But these people and these characters are truly showing their age. So at the end of the day... 4.25. Was that it? That's it. Oh, okay. Um, well, that is a very high rating for a very thought-provoking... <laughs> a very thought-provoking review. But I, I really do like that because I agree. Cause, uh, during the movie, I couldn't help but thinking, God, Tom Cruise looks great. But then by the end of the movie, it's like, you know, I, I think I finally noticed him age a little bit. <laughs> and, and that might have been enough. But, you know, they're, they are planning on filming, on making the next one within the next year. So we will be getting the next installment of Mission Impossible in 2017 or 2018 or something. Which is cool, I guess. This is a 4.25 star movie for me. I think... Everything that they did in this movie with getting the band back together, with getting the group of people together, getting the IMF together, this is how you do this kind of movie. This is what I was missing with Furious 7. With Mission Impossible, or not with Furious 7, but with a number of the Fast and Furious movies. Because with Fast and the Furious, if any of you guys listen to our reviews of it, my big gripe about those movies was that they had great ideas, but they never executed it. 
all of a sudden there's there's story in it. Everybody are I mean, you watch one movie and people are in the movie and they go out and that you know the story goes along. In the next movie, all of a sudden they're great buds. Oh, we've been through so much, bro. Oh, your family, your family. But where the fuck did that come from? It comes from I mean, like nothing ever builds up to that. It's like they expect the audience to accept we're family. And again, it's the idea not necessarily the execution that people really liked. Or maybe not, not everybody, but a number of people really liked. But with this movie, I, I guess this is a minor spoiler. It really shows you how the, the right way to make a movie where you take, where, where it starts off with a couple people and you expand the, gr- the couple people to a group of people to carry on into the next movie. Uh, and that, I, I don't know, I don't, can I explain that anymore? I'm talking about with the whole, the secretary thing, with what happens at the very end. It, it's, it's your review, Bill. Just say spoilers ahead or yeah. spoiler alert or whatever if you want to go into detail. Spoilers ahead! <laughs> Five, four, three, two, and... Okay, so at the end of the movie, you have uh, Ving Rhames... Or Ving... Ving, Ving Yeah, he's back on board. Uh, Simon Pegg's character is still alive. He's still on board. Uh, you have the potential. Uh, oh, and, and Alec Baldwin uh, is now the new is the secretary of whatever of the of you know whatever uh, of the and, IMF of the IMF. Yeah, and uh, Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise. So they established a team, and you saw the progression like a, a really good way of how that team came together, which works in future movies for there to be you know, kind of a good banter and interplay between, like, Alec Baldwin kind of being new to the team and, like, kind of being the the naive one about exactly what is going on because he's new. And that can carry on in other movies to to justify kind of good jokes and just that relationship. And also, I think they saved a pretty good bad guy to bring back later on, personally. Yes, yes I was very... Actually, I was truly impressed... Because this was the first time the bad guy lived. Yes, and, and, the and they did it in a good franchise. way. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, and they did it in a very good way, very plausible way, so that he can wreak havoc at a later date. So I, that was really cool. I was definitely impressed with that. Yeah, and he was definitely creepy enough, but well done, and, and like kind of verging on just j- that that nice sweet spot of almost verging on on, on caricature, you know, right? And like balancing between. Evil, creepy, and caricature. Exactly. Was it just me, or did that guy look a lot like Simon Pegg? Like, I at one point thought that they were going to, like, put the little mask or rip the mask on, and it was going to be Simon Pegg. And it was Benji. Yeah, Yeah. Benji's the bad guy the whole time. Like, eh. See, that would have been cool, because that, in a way, that kind of leads me on to uh, my my only complaints to the movie. And that would be the Benji character. I thought that... I, I, I love Simon Pegg. I love him. I think he's a great actor. I think he's fun. And I, I like I just I, I like almost everything he does. And he's not annoying in this movie. It just felt like his character was more of the, oh, hey, he's the comedy of the movie. And some of his comedy really wasn't that original. And it kind of, to me at least, didn't like I didn't get the oh hey me and me and Ethan Hunt or him and Ethan Hunt or or oh we're best friends we're good friends I just didn't get that between the two of them and the thing with this movie still spoilers is that that relationship between the two of them carries out 
you know, throughout his throughout Benji's abduction when he gets, you know, uh, when he when he gets you know kidnapped or whatever. You know, there's so much writing there because the two of them are supposedly good friends and they've gone through so much stuff. They have, but again, he fell it fell a little too forced. And then you have the ending when the bad guy is is you know caught and you have everybody standing around the glass, and that felt a little too. A, just just a, a tad too hokey. And again, nothing is, is not... It, the movie isn't hokey. The movie isn't overly hokey or anything like that. But there are some nitpicky things that you can really be nitpicky with. Still, I give this movie 4.25. I thought it was very entertaining. This is how you make a good movie like this. Uh, this was great ideas that were executed with style and with thought. Um... And again, this is what I wanted the Fast, the Fast and the Furious franchise to be like. Uh, so again, 4.25, Mission Impossible, 5, not 5, Rogue Nation. <laughs> All right. Well, then last but not least is going to be, well, actually, fuck that. Last and least is definitely Pixels, uh, the 2015 American science fiction comedy film. And um, this one, of course, this was actually directed by Chris Columbus. Um, Wow, how the mighty have fallen. He did, yeah. Galaxy High in the 80s, Mrs. Doubtfire, first two Harry Potter movies he directed. Harry, uh, he also did uh, Home Alone. Home Alone, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, one two. and two, yeah. So, holy crap, what, what, whatever. All right. Um, so this movie stars uh, Adam Sandler, Kevin James, uh, Michelle Monaghan, and Peter Dinklage and Josh Gad um, as... That's basically with the exception of Michelle Monaghan, actually. Uh, Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Peter Dinklage, and Peter Dinklage and Josh Gad as um, heroes saving the earth in the form of video games uh, or video game players from 1982. Uh, Essentially, they are for the for the most part has been, with the exception of Kevin James, who has (laughs) ironically become the president of the United States in this film. and in 1982, we sent out into space a probe in the event that there was life. You know, hey, this is us, and this is what we're about, and this is our pop culture and everything. And they, of course, included video game championships from 1982. Well, the aliens who picked up the signal and looked over everything took the video game part as, instead of it being pop culture and just gaming and stuff, they took it as a challenge and declaration of war. So they've come to use our video games against us and uh, in, a, in a bid for... Best out of three, <laughs> who's going to take over the planet? Um, all right. The simple fact of the matter is, is that this is not a good movie, but it is definitely not as bad as people, as, as a lot of reviewers have been on it. Given the fact, given the very nature of this film... All of the characters being where they are when the film really takes off uh, after about the 12 minute mark totally plays into everything that and totally plays into the entire idea behind the film. Um, there's also a lot of really clever writing uh, in the first about 30, 30 to 35 minutes of this movie. And I was legitimately laughing. It, it was really quite funny and actually had me looking forward to the back end of this movie. I was like, oh my goodness, could this movie actually be halfway decent? 
Um, the, the short answer is no. But uh, <laughs> but it's it's because the movie takes some really interesting ideas and very clever writing um, and good jokes. And instead of turning them on their head or building on the jokes for a better payoff later on, instead just relies on video game cliches that are established early in the film to carry it the entire way. And it it just can't. It simply can't do it. That's not the way video games even themselves work. Even today. It's got to be an entire experience. And... The experience of playing video games back in the video back in the video arcades back in the day um, it was something, but the video games themselves were not. Um, and then, so you get about to the you get past the thirty five minute mark, and it starts to falter, starts to get a little wonky, but still looks like it could pay off when you get to the finale when everything actually starts to go down. And instead of that, it just completely goes off the rails. It was it, it loses itself entirely, stops being funny, and really just kind of becomes um, bad gags and really just kind of sad by the end of it. I um, and and what really hurt are characters like Brian Cox. Brian Cox plays a general in the movie. Who is, of course, the hard-ass general. All oh, the Americans, they're best in the world. Blah, blah, blah. Can't fight us. And quite frankly, I am so fucking sick and tired of that trope. Please, 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 please don't put that character in movies anymore. Um, also, Mr. Cox, I don't know if it was your decision or the makeup's decision, but please don't dye your hair anymore. Um, it was not becoming, and uh, you are a much better man than that. That that's all I have to say about that. Um, at the end of the day, I cannot truly say that this movie is bad, so I can't fully say I didn't like it. I can't give it a two, but because the movie falters and then just completely drops off at the end as a complete disappointment, I can't really even say that it was okay. So I'm going to split the difference on it and give it a 2.25. It's got its moments. It's got good, clever writing at the beginning. But the payoff just isn't there, and it falls apart by the end. That's it. Oh. Who was this movie made for? That is one of my biggest complaints, because... When you think about it, you have this interesting idea of video games. You know, you watch the, the trailer for it and you think, you know, I'll take my kids to it. This has got to be a PG movie. Oh, it is PG-13, as well it should be. Because this movie drops, you know, the, the, the various ways you can use slut in a sentence or in a gag. Like maybe six or seven times. And each one is very demeaning towards women. Okay, to admit... I will admit that maybe the first couple times it is used, which falls into the first 30 minutes of the movie, or what I was telling Matt earlier during pre-show, I didn't mind the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie as much. I thought it was entertaining. You know, those jokes kind of came in. But those same jokes came back later on, and they were dumb. Nothing was built upon those jokes. It's the same shit, same gags, and it just gets so damn annoying. Really, Peter Dinklage is the only consistently funny one. Only because I think he is the only actually trained actor 
in this movie that is not like a stage musical performer. Josh Gad plays the same damn character. His character is way too weird to find any enjoyment in whatsoever. Uh, Kevin James's character being the president, great gag when it's you know when they finally reveal, and you can tell in the trailers you don't know he's the president, and so when the when the reveal happens, it's kind of interesting. And there's a lot of stuff they play they can play around with or they did play around with, but it ultimately led to nowhere. They had the gag of he was the president, and then all the shit happens. There was some really dumb stuff that happened, and then he joins the ga- he joins them in Donkey Kong at the very end. Yeah. Missed opportunities throughout the entire movie. And then you have Adam Sandler. Props to him playing the lower key character, which a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say props, because in, in the more the live action movies that aren't like Jack and Jill, he does play the lower key kind of guy. I mean, but still, it, he was Adam Sandler. He wasn't bad. The writing of this movie was bad. And this movie sucked because of the writing, the storytelling, and because this movie was based on a five-minute short that some guy <laughs> by the name of Patrick Jean uploaded onto YouTube, I think in 2009 is when I first saw it. Something like that. Yeah, yeah six years ago. They bought it, Sony bought it, and decided to make a, an Adam Sandler, or, or I think it might have been like Happy Madison, that decided to buy it, and they made it, and then Sony backed it. For some fucking stupid reason. Anyway. The movie was one big missed opportunity. Um, So, yeah. uh, Uneven storytelling. Uneven direction. Subpar ideas with no follow through. The movie was about video games. Yet, the stuff that they did. But despite the actual video games happening. No other thought went into the movie. They were like, oh, God, a, oh, a movie where video games attack us. That's great. Oh, yeah, we'll have these guys, Adam Sandler and Josh Gad and Peter Dinklage playing the little guy because, you know, dwarves are funny now. You know, battling the centipede, you know, doing all this. Oh, it'll be funny. Why didn't they do something more that, that, that could relate more to the video games? You know, come up with something creative like that. For example, the whole Pac-Man sequence where they get in the cars and they do the Pac-Man thing. The movie that just kind of turns into a very subpar shitty car chase that has no really redeeming quality to it whatsoever. No oh, great sense. And songs. also <clears throat> creates the biggest plot hole in the film, by the way. Which one what's that? Okay. So, oh wait, uh, wait, hang on. Let me finish let me finish sure, this. Then, ahead, then I'll do it. Okay. Um so they do all that stuff with the cars. But instead, why didn't they do something where they could have used, like, I mean, again, this is an idea that I still think is better than them being in cars. You're playing the video game. You use controllers, okay? These are guys that, they're they're known, like, they were famous for playing video games in the 80s by using controllers. They're not stunt car drivers. They don't know, how can they drive cars like that when they play fucking video games? None of them race cars. Sure, and it, also when you play Pac-Man, you're playing as Pac-Man, not the ghosts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and why don't like why did they do something like even if they did the whole you're you're battling Pac-Man or whatever, um, and they they had they were using controls and they were they were like controlling robots or something or or a robotic thing to where they what they could have done was a really cool shot 
of the streets of New York or wherever the hell they were at from above, and it was like the Pac-Man grid. So that would have been very cool. Like a couple shots of that would right. have been so neat. And that's what I'm talking about. No, they they had ideas, but no follow through and no thought. And that was a, I think, one of the biggest missed opportunities because it's Pac-Man. You have, I mean, when you think of it, you think of yeah. Well, you know. I, and again, that's why I was trying to throw in the that plot hole. Okay. Um, and again, sorry, spoiler alert here. I, I, I've been bad this episode and talked about spoilers, but it just really irks me and I want to talk about it. Um, all right, so the major plot twist is that it comes out that Peter Dinklage's character was a cheater. He had the cheat codes etched into the top of his sunglasses so that he could do it. And he had a cheat code for Donkey Kong, and he also had a cheat code for Pac-Man, which was the super speed, which allowed him to slip around, things like that. And he was using that in a car... On the streets of, uh, on the streets of New York, a cheat code for a video game. There's just no way you could make that happen. There's no way you could make that car zip around or whatever. And I thought that the big reveal was that was going to be like that he was a ringer because he was an alien. You know, because I'm like, how the hell is he making a physical car in the real world zip around corners like that? Yeah, when. You can't input a cheat code into a mini. I mean, it doesn't... And, and break the laws of physics. You can't. Not even in the realm that they've given us here. That's why I was like, oh, maybe he's an alien and that's why they got mad and were like, oh, you guys cheated or whatever. And we're like... Because everybody's going around, how did we cheat? We didn't cheat. And they don't show you the controls or anything. Right. And that's the thing is that like, all, like whenever they find out, oh, something is going... Like Pac-Man is going down and you know, whatever the fuck happened. And they're like, oh, well, we have these ghost cars that somebody built and that were just sitting here ready for you to get in. It's, it's just, that I mean, ma- that changed paint jobs too. The colors change paint jobs. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> it, it just like people aren't dumb. And that's what I meant. Like, who is this movie for? This movie was very stupid. It was dumbed down to be a kid's like, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I really do think some kids are smart. I really do want, well, I think a, a number of kids are smart. And would pick up on, you know, this really isn't a good movie. Because it's, it's, it's the very definition of fluffy. Well, the sure. reason why kids, I believe, enjoy these kinds of films, it's because they're not looking for that stuff. To them, they're just watching, wow, these guys are living an actual video game. How cool is that? And it's not clicking in their head. How the hell is he entering a cheat code into a mini, right? Uh, you know, oh, look, the the president guy is funny because he got icing all over his face. Not, what the hell is he doing and how did they get that footage? You know, how did they get the same oh, Steadicam yeah. shot of the footage on the news, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's things like that. I think that's where kids enjoy it because they're not as critical. Um, they're just taking in the entire experience as a whole against what they think is neat or interesting. So I think that's, you know, I don't think it insults the intelligence of kids to say that. I but think I, it's... I mean, I don't know. I, I do think that so many movies, not maybe not so many, but a number of movies are made like that, where it's all about the idea and not the execution and the follow-through. Like, think about the movies that we grew up with. Like, The Goonies, for example. Movie made for kids. More or less. More or less, yeah. <laughs> but it's a 
damn good movie. Grim, uh, kind of, maybe Gremlins? Older kids, maybe? But it was a damn good movie. You can watch it now and still enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, if you thought about it hard enough, if you thought about it hard enough, if you wanted to think about it hard enough, you can pick stuff out about it. But you can still, right now, sit back and watch sure, it and but there fully are, enjoy it. Sure, and there are movies that fall into that category today. You know, for a lot of the Pixar movies do that. Um, or what have you. But also, think about back when, about the, about the trash that you liked when you were a kid. You know, when you think about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, you know, that was a great movie for kids at the time, and kids enjoy it, and my kids enjoy it today, but it is not a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it still has fun, like, it, it's, it's got it's, whimsy, it's but got, it's not a good yeah. movie. But it it's, does, it's, it's really not. to it. But still, that is still better than what you have with Pixels. <laughs> <laughs> and the thought that went into Pixels, which isn't a lot, and... I, I, I give this movie 1.5. I, I mean, I just... I, yeah. I saw it in 3D. The 3D wasn't really that great. I, I don't... Yeah. Did you see it in 2, 2D or 3D? Yeah, I was not throwing 3D money at this. <laughs> not worth a $2 surcharge. Okay. So let's see what our average score is. 3.75 divided by 2. Oh, look. It's a 2! Rounds up to a two. All right. So next week's movies are going to be... Uh, you, you got all up into your email, so I don't um, have it to look at. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to make it to the movie theater by next week. What did is you have that, on your list? Uh, of- uh, Lost Soul, which is uh, Lost Soul, the, the tale of something, something. It's about the making of Dr. Moreau uh, from 1997, six. Uh, and, and the movie was made, but it, it's about the, how they made it and how the original director got fired. And it's very interesting. And it's kind of a twisted story. Uh, there's that movie. What, what else came out on Netflix, Matt? Something is, on, is out on Netflix. Uh, um, Let's look at Netflix. We'll just pull it right up. Yay, computers. How yeah. about Al- <laughs> the Chipotle <Jumboxy> Frankenstein? <laughs> oh, my God. No, we won't do that. How about a cheesy action film? War. What do you say? Okay, that sounds good. You right. We can do a third one. I have time to watch no, Netflix. No, okay. we'll just... No. With the, with the vacation stuff going on, we'll just do two movies again and get back to normal after that. Uh, okay, so Lost Soul and War. The Jet Lee Jason Statham action flick. Sounds promising. I think Lost Soul is going to be the better movie. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> but hey, we haven't done a fun action flicky like this for a little bit. So those are going to be the movies for next week. And I believe that brings us to the spiel, does it not? Spiel on. All right. Well, the intro music you've been listening to is uh, brought to you by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. And you can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at 
at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLScast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at nitwit12345. You can also climb aboard the Information Superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that is your heart's desire. You can, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. So until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to me, I get to say this. See you next week, folks. And take care, guys, and I will be back in California, unfortunately. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. Remember that you can find us at slscast.com, at the SLS Cast for Twitter, also on Facebook, and you can always subscribe on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>